2: everybody, welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host Scott Tilford, joined by Rich Hudson. Hello. I'm Josh Brown. Hi. Now we finally got synced up on this weird online platform that is the internet, but we can finally talk about all sorts of things, uh, next generation console relating. I kind of want to just dive into your immediate thoughts following the Xbox uh, showcase, because you guys weren't on the live thing that me and Kirsten did, Um, but where are you you guys sitting in regards to next generation expectations and hype? We should start with uh, Rich um the games looked interesting
3: i guess as a starting lineup i'm not surprised that a lot of it is like yes this is the next big thing from a studio that's not very big and no one's really going to care about these games in a year's time but Mm. they did look very nice i am of course more interested to see where they go with the hardware side which obviously i'm Mm. not surprised they didn't show i thought they might have teased something a little bit uh during the during the presentation but uh the games look interesting Mm -hmm. i'll say
2: Josh, did you were you freaking out? I, I like actually quite like the look of that bright memory infinite thing that they opened with, which has now been confirmed as gameplay. But other than that, that was one of the only games that visually sort of like blew me away.
0: Yeah, it was a it was a weird one, and I think I kind of benefited from following the rumors and the uh, kind of you know predictions going into the event because a lot of people were saying, "Look, this isn't going to be an E three style big blowout. It's going to be more of a little teaser of mm. things to come." So I wasn't expecting to see like a bunch of first party stuff but i was surprised at the kind of variety on show and i thought a lot of them uh, a lot of the games for as you know indie focused or whatever as they were looked really interesting it Looked really unique i expected to see a lot of kind of sequels or more footage from games that we already knew existed so i was quite pleasantly surprised that we saw a lot of new stuff and the stuff itself looked interesting it sucks that we didn't get as much gameplay as um you know, we, we, we probably wanted to see, but as a kind of taster of what Microsoft is doing with the next generation, I thought it was very promising. I thought they mm-hmm. made a lot of cool moves with this announcement, and they've courted a lot of um, really talented um, developers
2: where did you guys come down on the gameplay stuff because like like, watching it live i i didn't know if i'm just in the minority but i was totally satisfied with it and i classed it as i know what people mean when they were like okay it's not a game being played but it is in engine like i kind of come down on the fact of like okay this is approximating what gameplay is going to look like and i was mostly satisfied with that but i saw like most of the internet freak out and just like you know i i get the the criticism too but where were you guys on that I think the fact that they were they very much openly
3: said, We've we've heard the internet before that we're gonna do outright <laughs> gameplay today, and then a couple of the games, especially the big one at the end, oh, uh, so the uh, nothing, definitely yeah. wasn't gameplay. I mean, yeah, the, the getting the in-engine stuff. In engine stuff is is fine. Hmm. Um, but people want to, it's not so much that people want to see how it looks within the game as much as that was kind of what was um, implied with the whole Series X thing, because it's the next step in, in graphics, people will just want to see how the games will play, how they might look. Mm-hmm. So like w- when you've got your hands on it. So I think that, that, you know, what was it? 60% of it was pure gameplay. The rest of it, I think, was justified that people were a bit like, oh, oh, oh I'm not sure about this. Like even looking yeah. at the official like offline reveals of the the gameplay trailer that Ubisoft released, there's a lot of backlash on it. Saying this this literally isn't gameplay. If, it's, if you say gameplay to somebody, you expect to see, you know first or third person HUD everywhere like this is what the game will look like when it's on your screen not just this is gameplay that we've taken the camera out and we've put it somewhere else to show you how it looks from a distance people mm-hmm. want to see it behind the eyes or behind the person of the person to be playing as rather mm-hmm. than just uh, a representation of it even if it is running an engine even if it's like yes this is exactly how it will look we want to see it
2: as we will see it mm-hmm. yeah, yeah you I- want to more controlled and that's what you were going to say Josh
0: yeah, I fully agree with you too. I feel like, especially after years and years and generations and generations of not, of kind of been fooled by vertical slices, you know, we're always promised the world when it comes to the next gen stuff. And then we realized that it was probably never feasible. Obviously, you know, big hitters like Watch Dogs kind of proved that we should never fully trust gameplay that we see. So I think uh, it's kind of justified that people are a bit annoyed that we didn't see, you know, what the game will actually play as. Like like Rich said there, we saw an approximation of it or we saw in-engine stuff that's still being manipulated. That's cool. That's cool for building hype, but... I don't know. It's one of. The, I think it's just compounded by the fact that we've seen so little from these machines so far, and so little from the games in general. That mm. you did want something a little bit more, especially with Assassin's Creed, because we just got the big CG trailer last week. You'd expect, at least I expected, an actual, you know, slice of gameplay as it's going to be when you finally get it in your hands. But what mm. we got was, you know, still something kind of different. It'll look cool, but it's all all down to kind of you know tempering expectations and kind of living up to what you've what you've said and what you've communicated and stuff like that
2: Mm-hmm. in regards to like yeah like the look of stuff as well do you think that because basically there's a piece in the rounds at the minute about how like diminishing returns and centering on the idea of like how much better can graphics get and things like that and the idea that you know we're never going to be blown away the same way that we were when we first saw like the ps2's graphics or even the ps3 to some degree um where do you guys come down on that that like with each new hardware cycle going forward there's it's it's going to be increasingly diminishing returns Do you think that is the case or like or I think they still have other things to show off?
0: I couldn't disagree more with that, to be honest.
2: Every time I see
0: an argument like this, it reminds me of like when the last generation was ending. And it was slightly different, but people were saying very similar things, and they were also saying like, you know, oh, console gaming is going to go away, mobile's the yeah. the future and stuff. I feel like when we when we wind down a generation, there's always kind of that like fear of, well, do we even need a new one? Where can we go from here? But I think like just the gradual sort of leap in um, technology has proven that there's always somewhere to go. You look at games from 2013 that were launch titles for the PlayStation 4, the Xbox One, and you look at games launching at the very final tail end of those machines, and there's still a radical jump, and that was on comparatively underpowered machines. I just, I just know there was a time when we looked at The Rock in The Mummy Returns, right? And we thought, <laughs> it doesn't get better than this. This is the peak of CG imagery. Uh-huh. And of course, we look back on that now and think, that's bad. That's not where it's good. true. He I just looks like a potato.
2: It's things like because um, it's true, like yeah, those conversations do come around so much, but even back then, you know, we were looking at like you know, like one voxel with a whole face like plastered on the front on a PS1. And was, oh my god, it's it's three D for the first time. And there was clearly like some ways to go before you got real um and obviously last of us 2 red Dead redemption 2 like whatever those games are absolutely gorgeous they're not photo real yet so maybe that's as far as we can go but um rich what do you think
3: well that's the thing uh, i agree with what josh was saying about you know the the wind down of the generation is like do we need this anymore like when they were saying when they finally revealed the series x and they revealed the ps5 and they were like look here they are and people went well we don't we don't want them everything's fine <laughs> um when you look at the generational jumps between, we'll, go, we'll start the PS One with 3D stuff all the way through to now. Every time the uh, the generations ticked over, the main thing they show off is like, look at how many polygons we can have on screen. Mm-hmm. Look at when they when they revealed the GameCube, they did the demo with like a hundred Mario's stood on top of the GameCube, and you can manipulate them and mess around with them as much as you like. Those were the numbers that they would push forward, and mm-hmm. as um, especially going into this generation, you know, typically the PC stuff is like, okay, we're, we're here. And now it's finally dripping down to the consoles. It's the, the RTX stuff, the ray tracing things, because in reality, um, the models and the stuff, yes, they will get better, uh, in game, because there's more power behind it all. But the, the main draw of this new generation, especially when you look back at those gameplay trailers of uh, that were shown last week, you see the lighting and how that has evolved and how that's changed to make stuff look more photo real. You look mm-hmm. at things like, as you said, Last of Us and Red Dead 2, like Red Dead 2, especially has got some of the most beautiful skyboxes and amazing lighting. And they're the things that finally make a game look really good. That's why you can take a game from 2004, you can take something like Half Life 2, which is gorgeous in itself and it's vanilla form but you give it that extra bit of heft in terms of lighting and shade and you can make it look like a a game that came out on the uh on the xbox one Mm -hmm. like it's it's that's that's the next big jump they keep talking about ray tracing and you just get those side by sides that's really all we're getting in this big upgrade but it's not something feasible on current gen Mm -hmm. so that's the next big jump but obviously it's, it's it is being um cited a lot but you're not seeing it as much as like look at how many polygons we can put on nathan drake's nose like that's <laughs> that's how it was going into like the ps into the ps3 and into the ps4 this time it's just like look we can we can basically take what we've got you take something like god of war which is stunning but we can now polish it even further than you ever expected that's the next big graphics jump so I don't think we have hit the top yet, but this is getting pretty damn close. Mm-hmm.
0: I think that's a great point in that you know it's so easy to look at the jump from the PlayStation One to the PlayStation Two and look at the broad strokes, look at the detail in the character models, look at the detail in the environment, and sort of see the jump. And like Rich said there, I think in terms of those bigger things, we kind of we're not we've not reached a peak, but we've certainly got to a point where we're not as impressed by the jumps from like Rich said there. Uh, you know. Or the amount of polygons that make up Nathan Drake's ear cartilage or something like that. <laughs> but I do think there's a lot of um, room for improvement in the subtler kind of details, whether it's like the animations, of the lighting, or the particle effects, those things that you don't necessarily see in side-by-sides, but add a huge amount to the overall feel, of a game, at least for me, like the first time I saw um, Uncharted Four, when Nathan Drake kind of um, swoops the rope around the tree, the winch, sorry, on the, right. on the car, and that's all done in re- real time. I thought that was that was such a mind.
2: I think you texted me about that. <laughs> Freaking out! <laughs> you should see this rope, mate. Like, yeah.
0: I wasn't. <laughs> I don't even think
2: I was working for the site full
0: time. Then I was just like, <laughs> I've got to talk to someone about this. So I'm going have to message Scott. But like, it's those subtler details that add up to create a real big jump that I think are being focused on now. And that's what we're going to appreciate kind of going forward. And I don't think it's something that is going to look radically different on side-by-side screenshots, but when we see it in motion and we look back on the PlayStation 4 games, we'll think, Oh, how did we ever, you know, not (laughs) appreciate this? How did we ever sort of live without these small tweaks? Because uh, to me, they, they are like important. And I think we do them a bit of a disservice by only focusing on, you know, the, the raw power or the amount of polygons or whatever.
2: I was going to say as well, like the something that I think kind of comes up like a lot is is crunch and the idea that you know th- these massive games that are just absolutely dripping in uh, detail and opulence and quality and you know like something like a Rockstar or Naughty Dog's games they tend they've so far have been singled out in terms of I mean Activision or or like Taku report in waiting, um, but it feels like you know like to get something that as hyper detailed as The Last of Us Two or Red Dead Two takes this insane human cost like over the course of multiple years and massive like fourteen hour days and things like that. Um, the thing that kind of counterbalances that is um, that new game that they showed as part of the Series X showcase, the uh, Bright Memory Infinite, which is made by one person. I don't know how long it took that one person. Um, but the idea that, you know, that level of quality is associated with work practices that can't last. Um, where do you guys come down on that? Do you think that is the case or do you think that over time it'll get easier to be able to deliver those really over the top? Like, you know, will something like a Red Dead 2 become yeah. more of the norm?
0: I think it will, because the, f- f- Sony haven't been great over the past few months at kind of communicating why the PS5 is so good. But they've been very focused on how it's good for developers and how mm. they've changed the architecture of the machine to make um, like these hyper detailed, massive worlds possible. Like the changes in the, the loading times, for instance, and the amount of actual um, assets that can be um, read and displayed on screen like the way they've changed that just kind of fundamentally frees up how these worlds are created because before you get the sense that a game like red dead 2 takes so much time not only because it's so intricately detailed but because they're working against so many limitations trying to stop that from being possible where it's at least at least i hope with the introduction of like this ssd and the new architecture and stuff Mm -hmm. that they will remove those limitations and kind of make development easier and kind of more accessible, and hopefully lessen the amount of you know overwhelming work it takes to get something that seems relatively easy to work. Because you look at like the Frostbite engine, which seems like an absolute mm. nightmare for everyone uh, to work on. You know what <laughs> I mean? Apparently, it's yeah. not built for purpose. It takes unless it's a shooter. Get... Unless it's a shooter, but if you're making like like the bioware games, you know what I mean? Open world uh, th- th- third person RPGs. It's just not. Yeah. It doesn't accommodate that very well, so you're almost fighting an uphill battle. I think if you manage to solve those big problems on a game engine side, it will hopefully make... You know, development easier and better and smoother, but that might
2: be wishful thinking. I don't know. Crunch isn't just going to go
0: away because there's new machines, but yeah.
2: Like I remember when uh, the Unreal Unreal Engine became free, and it was all of a sudden you saw this big uptick in the general sort of visual quality of indie games, and the idea that you can, you know, like the rising tide like raises all ships and stuff. Um, but I mean, Rich, where do you come down on that idea of or that assumption? Because like you know way more about the hardware side than I think me and Josh do. (laughs) Yeah. So like, I don't know. Does it seem like a feasible thing for nearly every other game to be a Last of Us Two or a Red Dead?
3: i think it might be like i said the the general like as i said like uh, the polygon stuff will increase and so on and so forth but it's more that what you can do within in the engine real-time rendering and how it will visually look with like almost like filters basically that's kind of where we go from here um and i think some, i think it was in at the beginning of the xbox showcase as corny as it sounds i said we're powering dreams here which sounds (laughs) it sounds so corny and and and, and so cringy but to an extent they're not wrong they have they've have given this this huge amount of headroom to go and do things and what you mentioned god of war and i think didn't cory Baller try and get the whole single shot thing going on the ps2 or the ps3 yeah, it's well, like just gonna, with yeah. the hardware we can't do this and then the ps4 turned up and it's like okay maybe we can with something like the ps5 or the series x they they will have even more headroom to do that and when you look at something like Hellblade, like Ninja Theory, Ninja Theory's game, that you know they're not a massive studio, but they made something that you could stick up alongside the Last of Us, God of War, Red Dead Two in terms of visual fidelity, mm-hmm. because they 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 took the hardware they had and they really boiled it down to work out like the best way to use it. If they're given that amount of headroom going in with um, Senuous Saga, Hellblade Two, mm-hmm. then. It's it should relative be relatively easy. Obviously, I don't know masses about like programming and development really, but if they're given that amount of headroom, even if they don't use it all, um, then that's going to make life easier for them. So uh, the idea that less people could make something looking as good as that, like if you really dig into the indie space, mm-hmm. which I know Scott does a lot, there are yeah. some incredibly looking, incredibly good looking games um, made by smaller teams. Mm-hmm. So. Sometimes it makes me look at something like The Last of Us 2 and think, okay, so whereabouts in the whole development cycle is this crunch coming? Is it coming in the programming department? Is it coming in the art department? Is it becoming somewhere else? Because how have other smaller studios managed this? Obviously, I know there's the idea that there's a lot more um, sort of publisher pressure coming on top of these studios, Mm -hmm. which I completely understand. But sometimes it's like, okay, so where is this coming from? Is this just office wide? Let's just stress the hell out for the next Mm -hmm. couple of months. But I think it's definitely feasible. For, for smaller developers to make some really good looking games, as I said, stuff like Hellblade is is a testament to we can make
2: something triple A that we're basically not a triple A studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a like really good example. Uh, yeah, I mean that whole thing with Ninja Theory saying that they were setting out to make a triple A looking game on a on a on a double A budget or whatever it was, like a, on an mm. indie budget, and um, that it is more like a case of maybe just better planning from the studios. Obviously, there's going to be hiccups and roadblocks and uh, humps or whatever they're going to get in the way. But um, Joshua, were you going to dive in and say something there?
1: I was going to say, you know, I, I fully agree with uh, what you guys are saying. and
0: I think it's just that a lot of the, the difficulties when it comes to getting games to work and game development are sort of things that we don't even notice or we just take for granted or we assume are easy. Like I was doing a, doing a list on Red Dead Redemption, the original, um, a few months ago about uh, things that you didn't know about the game. And there is this uh, great quote from the actors who, who worked on the original title saying that when they recorded scenes in mocap. In 2010, they didn't have the ability to make cuts in the while they were shooting. So if they messed up uh. a scene, they had to go back and do it all again. They could literally only do <laughs> it in one take. And then you had to cut from inside the game. So if that's like as early as 2010, if you couldn't even have multiple different angles and multiple different cuts, it's, it's amazing how these games are stitched together that you don't notice these limitations. So hopefully going forward, you might not notice those... We might not even notice those limitations have been lifted, but the fact mm. that they have will hopefully make you know, the idea of making these hugely detailed ambitious games more feasible not only for the big studios, but like you said for, for the Indies out there for the 10 men team or mm-hmm. you know the uh, team of you know two people or whatever just the one by guy. Lifting, Yeah by lifting those invisible barriers that most players don't even know about it mm-hmm. should hopefully make like Rich said this, this dream more feasible or whatever
2: there's a couple of things that like blew me away recently like uh one was was resident evil 3 like obviously coming out one year after re2 and i know that there are some reused assets in there but they still built all this really gorgeous 4k environment work and assumedly environment stuff is easier to do than you know acting performances and stuff like that but like that was something that i was like man this is a hell of a quick turnaround um considering that we just had re2 um and death stranding as well like there hasn't been any sort of um reports as to you know long crunch hours and stuff at kojima productions but um and kojima put out his full timeline of how he and from nothing to full Death Stranding in I think it was about three years, maybe four years. Um, but that as well, going, you know, as long as you manage things correctly, there is a way to do this. And maybe the, maybe the problem is more related to planning and scheduling than it is with just the impossibility of just that level of detail. Um, we should talk about the SSD um, because the PS5, the solid-state drive, um, I don't know what the Xbox uh, Series X's hard drive or solid-state drive thing is, but Sony are championing an SSD. Um, and the, the conversations that come alongside that are that they'll change the way games are even made, that the idea of loading times will just go away um and you'll get you'll get to say goodbye to the thing that i hate which is character turns to the side and like awkwardly goes through a crevice um because the game's loading the next thing um where do you guys come down on on that stuff is it like something that on a pure hardware side you're looking forward to like seeing because i think that would be something that would blow me away in terms of you know this is the next generation of gaming this is a fundamental change like do you are you yearning for stuff like that to come along
3: well, as the uh, as the PC community was saying, when after Mark Cerny did his lovely long speech, welcome to <laughs> 2010, guys. Uh, hey, we've been waiting. But, we've been but, waiting. But seriously, SSDs make such a difference. Back when mm-hmm. I was playing PUBG, that game was so badly optimized for hard drives, it would barely ever load. I don't know whether when you guys are playing PUBG on your Xboxes and your PlayStation's whether you had the uh, the old um low poly buildings when you were landing and there was some time load in that was Take basically how out. bad it was on a, on a hard drive you stuck it on an SSD no problem mm-hmm. uh, in fact that was the reason why I got a storage SSD for my PC uh, was to play PUBG without it being rubbish so <laughs> there is a definite uh, upgrade to it i think there's a there's a lot of Um, sort of technical mumbo jumbo and a lot of bloating in the whole grand scheme of this is how much of a difference it'll make. The fact that Mark Sony could sit and talk for like 40 minutes about one SSD about loads of random crap that no one really cared about. It's like, yes, it's an SSD. Welcome to 2010 again. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the grand scheme of things, yeah, it's going to be such a great uh, push forward to uh for 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 console gamers not like it's impossible now i have i think i said this on a a news i think we did a while ago that it is possible to put an ssd in a a pc a ps4 and xbox one now it's not that hard right right. obviously you won't they're not going to be built from the ground up with ssds in mind i think that's more what they're referring to when they're talking about how good it's going to be Mm -hmm.
2: um but it will improve load times generally uh on on a current console the thing that I'm curious about is like, yeah, it completely eliminates or improves uh, loading times. But like in the same way, I guess because consoles are finally caught up with PCs and SSDs, does that change the general design philosophies that go into the majority of video games? Because the vast majority are still made for consoles or with a console mindset. Uh, you know, when it comes to marketability and, and all the uh, game mechanics and things like that, like um, I don't know if that's just something that, like, to me, that idea is is awesome. Like, that's something I'm really actually like looking forward to. Um, but like, yeah, Josh, what do you think of the general split between or bringing in SSDs and how that might change things?
0: I'm a big fan. I remember the um, PlayStation 4 announcing it was going to have that suspend feature and thinking, ah, <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. But now going back to like the Xbox 360, I couldn't imagine living out living, living without being able to boot up a game and just getting back to where I finished off the night before. But I do think what you mentioned there is kind of the biggest thing I'm looking forward to. The fact that, you know, now this SSD or whatever is going to be kind of standardized and then the kind of like lowest rung machines will be able to benefit from them. That should free up how developers actually approach the games. Because like Mm. Rich said, you know, like this this technology isn't isn't anything new, but the fact that it's going to be standardized across the board now means that, you know, developers don't have to accommodate for the weakest hardware that don't have it, you know what I mean? Because it should open the playing field. And I think it was in that Mark Cerny talk, the last big, boring one that he did, where he mentioned... <laughs> um, this just the fact that it will change how developers approach level design. He was talking <clears throat> about how now they're, they're built from like corridors and stuff and things that hide the load times. Like you said, sometimes it's so egregious where you have to literally shimmy through a wall Tomb Raider All style the time. while the level loads in the background. But it's it's happening on a much subtler level as well in the way that they're actually designed. So you're you're moving through corridors. We talk a lot about kind of corridor shooters and stuff. And while <clears throat> that is you know, kind of a staple of design. It's also there out of necessity as well because you simply can't render that many, you know, things within view or whatever uh, while keeping the detail up. But if that, if, if what you're saying kind of like comes true and the developers really can harness that power and fundamentally change the way that you navigate environments or the way that environments are displayed or the way that things are rendered like around you that is so so exciting and something again you can't just kind of show off with a gameplay trailer or something it's something you'll only notice when you're actually playing the games Mm -hmm. and you might you get the feeling that you know when this becomes normalized you'll go back to a game even a game as good as you know like horizon or whatever and realize the, the things that were holding it back, the limitations mm-hmm. in the level design, the limitations in the quest design and stuff that had to accommodate for this very specific style of um, rendering environments and stuff. So that's that's the thing that I'm hope, hoping, because I'm not mm-hmm. entirely sold on it yet, but if they, if they can fulfill that potential, that's what i'm hoping will be a real game changer
2: that's the thing that i'm looking forward to the most is i remember at the start of this the current generation when the ps4 and xbox one came out and there was so many conversations around okay like which of these games could you fundamentally not do on the last generation of hardware um you know especially when on the in the ps3's case we just ended with you know gta 5 and the last of us um and then the first couple of years of the ps4 xbox one stuff there was nothing that felt like it fundamentally couldn't have been done um you know in terms of design wise um but that's the thing if you if you nail that stuff where you you're fundamentally getting rid of like you said those weird awkward loads or corridor sections or you just make something feel that much more immediate load times are all but eliminated um then absolutely those older consoles wouldn't have be been able to do it and that might be the best way to impress like a, a mass audience um because yeah i mean like like richie said this stuff came in in like 2010 did you notice any sort of developers playing into it or do you feel like they've like the pc space has been waiting for consoles to sort of catch up
3: it's it's sort of that yeah. Usually, when because obviously PCs don't have generational gaps, you can only really see it when games release. Because obviously, where we are with the uh, with some console games, obviously there are a lot of multi platform games that do look at PC and see it as a almost a separate um, platform <laughs> to play on, rather than just say we're releasing it for the big three and just leaving it at that. Um, it's yeah, we're sort of waiting on everyone else to sort of catch up. But kind of what I what I meant before about the the sort of the ceiling being raised, I think that's the same thing with the SSD. Because obviously there are games in the past. I have to keep citing God of War, but again, you can like almost walk through the entirety of that game without hitting a loading screen. Uh, and the same with open world games it's just sort of not everyone has worked out the best way to work, the, work their way around that hence why you've got things like Tomb Raider doing the old narrow shimmy and stuff like that but if you put the SSD in there and it opens the floor it's like okay now more people can do it so it is true to say that more developers can um, seize that technology seize that power and use it to their own advantage mm-hmm. um, but yeah it, you don't see it as much with PC games unless it is like a, an outright pc game and saying look this is how we're going to use the hardware but there's not obviously with with pcs being completely um freeform as to how you want to build it not everyone will have an ssd it's it's kind of a standard now mm-hmm. but you don't have to there's nothing in in the process of building a pc where you need an ssd so there's not mm-hmm. many games that will say please put this on an ssd or else mm-hmm. it's not going to work uh, whereas with the, the the sort of the beauty of that sort of i say beauty of the lockdown <laughs> hardware you have not so much to me, but the to some people, yeah, the beauty of the lockdown hardware you have on a console it means they can out outrightly use the, the the harness and SSD unless somebody decides, I know what I'm gonna take the SSD out but
2: a hard drive in. I don't know why you do that, but <laughs> one yeah. thing that, um, I just, I'm curious about, cause like, I like the idea of, like you said, the SSD becoming normalized, becoming standardized, and then you get all these different dev teams that know everyone's going to have access to this stuff. Um, the thing that throws all that out of whack is I guess Microsoft's plans to make everything backwards compatible with the Xbox one for the first, it was like first couple of years or three or four years. I know they mentioned some statistic about everything that comes out on series X will also work on Xbox one. Um, the, I think as far as halo infinite, there's not any series X exclusives. Um, but I mean, even that is—you know—the assuming the PS Five obviously has the SSD, and then we don't know what the Xbox hardware stats are. But I just think it's—it's it's interesting. Um, as a, a final sort of um, open question, I was going to ask what you guys—just complete open goal, whatever you want—and um, what do you want from the next generation of consoles? Is it—you um, know—a wider variety of genres? Is it like the hardware side of it? Um, do you want more of the same? What do you think?
3: Oh, I don't. Want
0: to... <laughs> It, it, it feels kind of weird because we're so spoiled at the moment that, mm. you know, I'm I'm quite content with the kind of games we're getting. I do want to see more freedom from the developers to create more immersive and unique worlds rather than having everything follow a similar formula. I finally want to get rid of, you know the pretend corridors that are you know doled up to not look like corridors i think mm-hmm. call of duty world war ii was one of the worst ones for that recently whereas i, I quite like the campaign but even though you were in these apparently open-ended battlefields you were very much going through you know a mm-hmm. one-way street so i want them to kind of free themselves from the shackles of that. But ultimately, I think I think we've hit a good run over the past few years. The generation, in my opinion, got off to quite a wonky start. But now mm-hmm. Microsoft is kind of like back in full force. I think they made a lot of right moves. And if Sony can continue to capitalize on the great exclusives they've cultivated over the past few years, I think we could be looking for into an interesting and exciting future where i don't know which console i'm going to have to buy first because i'm really scared guys <laughs> they're going to be expensive
2: machines <laughs> just trade everything in we've, we've <laughs> matched like so many generations of titles um i kind of want to see like a return uh, like i mentioned mentioned genres before um i feel like this generation um because obviously the industry has gotten bigger than ever um i feel like so many big teams just sort of fell back on on lots of formulas like control schemes seem uniform based on the genre like nearly every first person shooter controls the same um you know nearly every sort of cover shooter controls the same and like that's that's it you've sort of got you know open world action rpg first person shooter third person cover shooter um and i i want a wider variety of genres to come back i want extreme sports games to come back or arcade racing or things like that rich we need split second too and we've been waiting we did I,
3: I was gonna say arcade races are, are what i miss <laughs> as much as we still have mario kart and crash team racing which basically kind of like arcade yeah. races are not they, they kind know. of kind of on the periphery but yeah we, we need more arcade races and it's a shame that stuff has tried like on rush for the ps4 as mm. fun as it was for the five minutes Dang of God. playing it to think yep yeah, that's five minutes of the game that's that's all it is and that was it <laughs> um arcade races need to come back i mean you know there's kind like grit uh, was a grip fight not grip five dirt five yeah uh was announced which is i've always seen dirt as less of like a forza and more like uh, an arcade race It's kind of in <laughs> the middle um like you've got stuff like that but yeah the arcade races want to come back as for like a general overall thing um it's it's less of a a game like game design decision thing it's more of a publishing decision if there's something that you've a a game that's being released on multiple platforms Mm -hmm. don't try and make one of them to be the definitive one on just one platform to to satisfy the pockets when Sony or Microsoft chuck however much money at you and mm-hmm. like it's it's Call of Duty Modern Warfare that's the the, the worst for this at the moment it's basically it's almost like the only one that's doing it right um with the likes of the survival mode for for Modern Warfare that you know those of us on PC and Xbox won't be getting till October this year right right um and oh, they did something else recently that was exclusive on PS4 first oh the Modern Warfare Two uh, remaster yes stuff like that just just console exclusivity for a, a, a series or a, or a franchise or just a game that isn't necessarily going to be specific to a platform, stop trying to make it specific to a platform <laughs> because all you're doing is is uh, alienating a huge portion of your consumer base. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense and no one seems to like it. All it does is further fuel that really toxic fanboy um mindset which you mm. still see when everyone was kicking off about uh the modern warfare survival mode not being available at all on xbox and pc and then you had all these people saying oh this is really annoying and you know you know we were quite very we were quite annoyed about it and then you just get people saying
0: that's why playstation's the
3: best it's like can we, like, <laughs> that 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 boils down there's a lot a lot of that sort of mindset that's just come from the player level mm-hmm. that we had during the uh the 360 ps3 days that's relatively all but gone the only
2: reason yeah. we see
3: it is because it's
2: dripping down from the top so publishers stop doing that i tend to i think that stuff is it can be fun in like a sports team kind of way but it's just yeah the toxic side of it can get absolutely stuffed like even when all the last of us 2 stuff was kicking off and there was like this little sect of xbox people being like well you know i'm glad that happened i'm it's glad like, that one of these like they,
3: horizon for pc and all those ps4 players started like throwing their consoles out of windows and things i'm like it's just being released on a different platform. The big deal.
2: <laughs> maybe, like, maybe, maybe in a long enough timeline, we'll all get more smooth over and we'll all calm down. Hopefully. But I doubt it's it.
3: better than it used to be.
2: Yes, it's definitely better than it used to be. But um, yeah, head over to uh, Twitter. You can use the hashtag WCGP to leave us different thoughts and comments and questions, and we'll get to them in a future question pod. Uh, for now, though, this has been the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Taylor, joined by Rich Hudson.
3: Thank you for listening to me ramble about things. <laughs> and Josh <John Brown.
2: laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. We'll catch you Bye. next time. Bye. Bye. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things.